I remember the right-wing show William F. Buckley, soon to become a thriller writer himself, opining that Swedes were communistic and hedonistic and committed suicide at a prodigious rate as a result. It seemed to me, as an American teenager whose attachment to his Swedish heritage grew stronger with every movie Ingmar Bergman released, that Buckley was being disingenuous at best. The world portrayed by Cheval and Valla served as a realistic counterpoint to such outlandish claims. If anything, knowing that Sweden's murder rate was infinitesimal compared with America's made the context of Swedish crime books particularly relevant. My memory tells me I first read Murder at the Savoy, in translation, in Sweden in 1973, soon after it had been published in paperback. I must have bought the book in Stockholm, where I was meeting relatives, imposing on their hospitality, as only a twenty-one-year-old on his first trip away from home can, and reading as much Swedish literature as I could afford to buy in imported English-language editions. I read the book on the way to visit my grandmother's family on Oland, an island in the Baltic. Few of them spoke English, but I remember somehow getting them to explain to me how the book's Swedish title, Pulis Pulis Potatismus, got translated into Murder at the Savoy. When rebellious Swedes in the sixties called policemen pigs, they chanted Pulis Pulis Potatiskris, literally Police Police Potato Pig. Potatismus means mashed potato in Swedish, and the play on words in the book's title is typical of Cheval and Valu. The mashed potato relates to the story, but it's not really a clue. In fact, the relationship of police and pigs is more integral to the plot. It's very much like the preceding Beck novel, The Fire Engine That Disappeared. Although that one is a story about, amongst other things, arson, the engine of the title is actually a children's toy that has been lost, and whose rediscovery provides another indirect connection to the story. The titles themselves are often fanciful, perhaps with a nod to the cozy tradition of parlor mysteries, which had previously dominated Swedish crime fiction, and perhaps indicating the playful nature of the narrative voice, reminding readers that the title, like the book itself, is much more than a mere puzzle. Only Cheval and Valla would begin a chapter, Everything Happened on That Monday, as if their players were following a script, events beyond their control, which, in a sense, they were. Nothing typifies better the strange relationship between the realistic nature of police procedural and the fantastic nature of fiction itself than that simple line. Rereading Murder at the Savoy brought back a frisson with each of the many moments that reveal an insider's Sweden. Most readers will not recall the legions of repressed Britons and Americans who flocked to the film I Am Curious Yellow, expecting to be shocked by Swedish sexuality. Far from licentiousness, a very Swedish practicality pervaded matters sexual, as it does in the novel, in everything from Martin Beck's difficult relationship with his wife to his female colleague, Ossa Torrell. It was a relief to discover that, in their own ways, Swedes were as repressed as Americans. If anything, the scene where the Malmo cop Per Munson, who had been introduced in the previous Beck novel, visits the victim's wife, who is sunbathing naked, reveals the restraints that tradition put on Swedish liberation. Cheval and Valla made it clear that, in reality, Swedish society was struggling as much as any other to cope with the changes brought about by the Sixties. They are far more concerned with the old-fashioned structure of Swedish society and its peculiar class consciousness, an anachronism of sorts in an egalitarian country, but one whose economic base they make plain in Gunvald Larsson's relationship with his status-seeking sister. Much is made of Cheval's and Valo's status as Marxists, but the strength of their analysis is always in the way personal situations reflect flaws in the wider structure. Swedish status was tied to one's occupation. The man who winds up face down in his mashed potatoes is Viktor Palmgren, 
an industrialist with his fingers in a number of shady multinational deals. Thus his murder takes on a special sort of importance, the wheels of justice turning in a well-greased fashion. That this is not uncommon may be indicated by the appearance of the secret police in the story, to Beck's evident discomfort, amusement, and disgust. Cheval and Volu drop in a mention of the Robert Kennedy assassination in a timely reminder of the way the police are always stretched beyond their limits trying to keep up with the machinations of the various shell and holding companies, and the appearance of one executive's call-girl mistress further illustrates the gap between the everyday cops and society's elite. I raced along to the book's conclusion, its power intensified by the matter-of-fact way it is reported. The killer's interrogation is reprinted as if verbatim, which gives it a haunting quality. It reflects the procedural reality, but even more, it puts the reader into the middle of that reality. It also reminds us, as noted earlier, that the abstractions of capitalism and socialism involve the lives of real people.